0: Over the course of the invasion of Ukraine, there have been numerous stories that have filtered out from the front lines, showing the extent to which the Russian army has committed various war crimes. Now, some such examples of these include uh, the initial one being the violation of the UN Charter Against Aggression by invading Ukraine in the first place. There's been a blatant disregard for civilian lives uh, by using missiles and explosives in densely populated areas. The use of cluster munitions, which have been used in civilian areas as well as on hospitals. The targeting of humanitarian corridors and violating ceasefires, which was in the news recently, where those ceasefires were set up and almost immediately violated by uh, the Russian army. Uh, There's been also footage of looting. Um, so, for example, ones of the Russian soldiers going into stores and taking food and taking whatever else they need, as well as my favorite one, which was the guy taking chickens out of someone's backyard because they needed food. Which is crazy that, like, you know, this is meant to be the
1: second most powerful army on the planet, yet they've resorted to 18th century style warfare,
0: forage off the land. Yeah, I know. I know I heard one such reason for that was because the extent of Russian corruption in the military severe, means that even though they're funding the army, it doesn't necessarily mean that those gains are going down to the soldiers.
1: Yeah, yeah I wouldn't be surprised. Um, the other thing that's quite interesting, though, is that Ukraine security services have intercepted text messages from Russian troops, and they all highly rate Ukrainian
0: products. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. On top of that, there's also been forced deportation of residents as well. Which, given the track record um, of Russia and uh, especially under the U- during the USSR, the shipping of Crimean Tatar out of those uh, out of Crimea, it wouldn't surprise me as well that Russia would be doing this. Now, unfortunately, from the aspect of the international community, uh, there has been condemnation, but. Uh, From the aspect of the UN specifically, because Russia has that veto power on the UN Security Council, it has basically stalled any efforts to condemn the actions of Russia or to condemn or to recognize any um, uh, uh, war crimes that are happening there, which, I mean, we can have another, another conversation about Russia's permanent status on the Security Council. But because of that, it's kind of led to other international organizations having to step up And uh, take action against Russia's war crimes
1: Um, Now we should note that whilst the UN Security Council Hasn't been able to condemn Russia due to its veto The UN General Assembly Which is where all the countries have a vote and no country can veto The General Assembly passed a massive majority vote Condemning Russia's invasion of Ukraine And I think Russia was only supported by like six or eight countries Four other countries Four other countries, there we go yeah. They, was this the uh, support or the abstention? No, no. They voted with Russia against the motion okay. then. Right. Yeah. So, I think it was North Korea, Syria, Belarus, and... And...
2: um, It's the African country that starts with... Central eight. African Republic. No. 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 Eritrea.
1: Eritrea. Oh, Eritrea. Oh, oh.
0: Really? Um. <clears throat> so, on that note, the international... So, initially, the International Court of Justice uh, immediately asked Russia to cease its invasion of Ukraine on the basis that it was committing genocide against the Ukrainian people. And since then the International Criminal Court has actually started collecting evidence of war crimes and the lead prosecutor Karim Khan he stated that on he stated on the 23rd of March that today I can confirm my office has received referrals of the situation in Ukraine from the following 39 International Criminal Court states. Parties and Republics, the Republic of Albania, Commonwealth of Australia, the Republic of Austria, Belgium, Bulgaria, Canada, Colombia, Costa Rica, Croatia, Cyprus, Czech Republic, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, France, Georgia, Germany, Hungary, Ireland, Italy, Latvia, Liechtenstein, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Malta, New Zealand, Norway, uh, the United uh, the Kingdom of the Netherlands, Poland. Portugal, Romania, Slovakia, Slovenia, Spain, Sweden, uh, Switzerland, uh, and the United Kingdom. And these referrals enable my office to proceed with the opening an investigation into the situation in Ukraine. So, and this was, oh, sorry, this is from 20, 20- The this would include the situation from November the 21st 2013 onwards so it's encompassing that entire period that this uh, aggression has been going on including things like the downing of MH17 and other war crimes that have happened during the conflict in Donbass and Luhansk which is great and initially, oh, sorry, additionally it's also great to see so many countries that have actually st- uh, stepped up and they're vocalizing their support for such proceedings
2: um, One one war crime that I believe not a lot of people would actually know, I only found out about this recently as well, um, is that cultural and heritage sites are actually uh, full under war crimes as well if they are damaged un- uh, intentionally. <clears throat> and so this comes back to the 1954 Hague Convention, where um, cultural property during war times is prohibited from being damaged intentionally.
0: Remember we covered that with uh, Khersonats and how Russia was intentionally um, refurbishing, or as they claimed it, um, the cultural sites of Khersonats.
1: Yeah, and, and attempts to protect cultural sites stem back to the 19th century when the um,
0: Valletta Royal Opera House was bombed during World War II. Yeah, and it also aims to protect or to prevent Rather, the, the theft of um, artworks and any other cultural um, artifacts that can be used um, or sold for profit like we saw in World War II with the Nazis. So under the Rome Statute, it defines the following types of
2: war crimes in relation to cultural property: intentionally directing attacks against buildings dedicated to religious uh, to religion, education, art purposes, historic monuments, provided that they are not military objectives. Intentionally directing attacks against civilian objects, that is, objects which are not military objectives. Intentionally launching an attack in the knowledge that such attacks will cause damage to civilian objects, which would be clearly excessive in relation to the concrete and direct overall military advantage anticipated. And extensive destruction and uh, appropriation of property not justified by military necessi- uh, necessity and carried it unlawfully and wantonly.
0: I find it interesting, the wording in that, how they will say, um, provided it's not a military target. Um, like, so, I think that means as long as it doesn't provide you an advantage, I know you can't s- target it. I know, but see, pr- Russia could claim, oh, that's my military target. No, but in, in in that case, it needs to
2: actually be proven that the building was used... As a military operation or a staging area, for it to not uh, uh, fall under uh, being a war crime, because here it says that um, there are three. So there are three uh, concepts that pretty much prevent it from being a war crime. That is, if it's a military objective, so a specific object becomes military objective if it makes an effective contribution to the military action, and its destruction offers a definite. Military advantage. As a general rule, the following objects cons- uh, constitute legitimate military objectives. Military fortification, camps, units, aircraft, warships, repair facilities, etc. However, civilian objects may also become a military objective if it is used for military purposes contributing to military action. For instance, cultural property may lose its protected status if it is used as a sniper's nest. At Military necessity. Military necessity implies that the measures are required to secure the ends of the war weakening the military capacity of the opponent and military advantage. This implies uh, certain gain that the party to the conflict anticipates getting through the attack. Such advantage shall be of a tactical nature relatively close and substantial long-term goals such as winning the war in general should be disregarded. So in the past someone uh, has already been charged with uh, committing war crimes against cultural heritage sites. For instance, Milan Martić, leader of the so-called Martić police in the former Yugoslavia, was found guilty of destruction by a tank of the Assumption of the Virgin Church in the center of Škadar, Croatia, uh, conducted by its inferiors. He was guilty. He was found guilty of 18 counts overall and sentenced to 35 years of imprisonment.
1: Um, and that sort of brings us to, I think, what will become a modern day case study for war crimes, which is Russia's attack and destruction of the city of Mariupol. And I think, like, just as some background knowledge, uh, Mariupol is Ukraine's tenth largest city, and it's located in Donetsk Oblast, not far from the Russian border. I think it's only like a uh, hundred kilometers. I think so, around there. Um, and this city basically, before the war, or like before Russia's current invasion, was one of Ukraine's biggest trading ports. And a lot of the exports from Donbass went via Mariupol to the uh, rest of the globe. And basically, since the invasion on the 24th of February, of the city is estimated to have been destroyed or damaged by Russian forces. And there are various examples. So, like we mentioned, the Russian bombing of the Donetsk Regional Drama Theatre in Mariupol, where it was clearly visible outside of the theatre that there were children inside, in big white letters,
2: Um, They've also bombed schools and hospitals.
1: Yeah, there's the famous photo of them bombing the maternity hospital. Cancer research place where you see them firing in through the windows. And probably one of the most... The whole war is just disgusting, but one of the things that they did was after they'd moved into the actual city itself, Russian forces occupied the Mariupol Maternity Hospital and its surrounding buildings and... The patients that Ukraine wasn't able to evacuate due to their medical state were basically taken as prisoners, and any other surrounding civilians were rounded into the hospital, and the Russian armed forces set up artillery barrages outside of the hospital and just started bombarding the city, hoping that the Ukrainian army would respond, trying to take out the artillery positions, and thus also unintentionally kill its own civilians
0: yeah so that goes down to the one of the other claims that russians are using uh, civilians as um shields to try and prevent the ukrainians from attacking their positions.
1: which we saw in, when they invaded donbass in 20, uh, 2014 where the russian troops would use civilians to stand in front of them knowing that ukrainian soldiers wouldn't fire on their own civilians
0: yeah, um, but this isn't new. Like, there was very similar things um, that Russia committed in Chechnya, very similar um, war crimes, especially in Syria. That campaign went on for a long time. But um, it's still ongoing, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, you know, use of firebombs and indiscriminate bombing of civilian areas. I mean, the destruction we see in Syria from some of the bombing of Russia, If a side-by-side comparison, you can just see... Um, you know, you can you compare places like Mariupol. It looks like a town from Syria now. Like everything's destroyed, basically, because this is just Russia's tactic. And it's it's surprising that it's taken this long to finally get an international response this strong against Russia's military tactics. But I'm glad it's happening, and hopefully, with the sanctions and everything, this may cause some domestic change in Russia that will hopefully see an end to this war soon. But, you know, until such time, there is going to be more deaths. I've heard that civilians are dying in Ukraine every hour. So,
1: And it's not just that um, Russia's indiscriminately bombing civilian and civilian targets. They're also kidnapping evacuees and forcibly deporting them to Russia and checking their phones to see what kind of content they've been posting on social media And there are reports that now children are being separated from their mothers in Russia and are being sent to locations undisclosed.
2: They're also taking away their passports as well, so they can't even
0: travel uh, abroad that easily once they get into Russia. And even Putin said that, you know, people leaving Russia, for example, um, he called them traitors. He said they were insects or he compared them to some animal, um, those people who are going to leave Russia. I mean... It's just a terrible situation for all of those who want peace. And we still haven't even mentioned the attack on the um, nuclear facility, F- just full-on, full-scale bombardment of a nuclear facility.
1: And we should mention that the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant is the largest nuclear power plant in Europe and one of the largest in the world. And Ukraine's foreign minister, Dmitry Kulaba, Kolaba, um, he published a tweet during the attack saying that if this was allowed to continue, it would be... Was it six times worse than Chernobyl? Uh, yeah, it would be. And it, it got pretty close as well because
2: um, I think one of the warehouses actually caught on fire. And because of the shooting, the fire brigade couldn't actually come in there until a while later. So, there was still that whole risk uh, of it spreading to the reactor or somewhere um, where there could have been like a re- uh, an explosion and causing all this radioactive dust as well to come up.
0: Did you guys see the video of the guys inside the control room trying to send messages to the Russian forces where they were like, please stop this, you're going to destroy the world and stuff like that?
2: Um, another um, another one in Chernobyl was that um, the operators that were stuck in there once uh, Russia had captured the area, they were actually working for 660 hours. Um just trying to keep it all under control and with no actual team to swap out with. So uh, after 660 hours, um, a bunch of volunteers from Ukraine were able to enter into the reactor to actually give the the other team some rest.
1: Yeah, and it shows you, you know, this completely shatters Putin's so-called myth that Ukraine and Russia are brother nations because this isn't what so-called brother nations should do. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't go indiscriminately uh, bombing civilians. And this is proven, like... Yes, there are claims that Russian troops say that they didn't know where they were or what they were doing or they thought it was training exercises. But captured Russian pilots have stated on record that um, once they got given their coordinates and saw that they were civilian targets, they bombed them anyway. So... You know, you can only claim for so long ignorance.
0: Yeah. I think it's important to mention, though, that um, Russia's claims that Ukraine is committing war crimes falls really under the one war crime that Ukraine has committed the, so far. It's when they're doing the the, the footage and interviews with um Rush, uh, with Russian soldiers who are captured, that violates the Geneva Convention because um, captured soldiers can't be used for the purposes of messaging or propaganda. So that's what the um, criticism against the Ukrainian uh, army has been thus far in terms of the international response. Which
1: has toned down in recent days anyway. I think they've stopped.
0: Yeah, I think once they realize, you know, we're on the side of right here and we shouldn't do anything to jeopardize that. Even if it means we might get an advantage in the messaging, I don't think it's worth it. In
1: sort of wrapping up, like Russia, this has been now the costliest war for Russia in its modern history. So I think as of the 23rd of March, the amount of Russian soldiers killed in Ukraine has surpassed the amount that the Soviet Union lost in its entire occupation of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Yep. And. You know, on a bright side for Ukraine, in that same time, over 15,000 children have been born and hopefully the war will end soon and they can grow up in a peaceful country.